We've been in a series for the last, I guess, couple of months, and uh, it's, I'm going to bring this to a close this morning, as I was explaining to one recently, to, to go past this would be, to me, anticlimactic. Abraham's life is preserved in the scriptures, I think, for a reason. And, and sometimes, you know, when we read something, it's easier to read if we feel like that we can accomplish whatever we're reading as someone who has set an example, um, you know, leaving your nets like Peter did or doing the right thing. But this particular occasion uh, is very, for me personally, and has been all my life as a Christian, very difficult to sort through. And so bear with me, if you would. Um, I'll know if you don't want to. If I see you walk out, I'll know that you're not going to bear with me. But this one's difficult, and, I, and, I, and I'm, I'm going to be real honest as to why. What I read in this, in this final occasion that we'll be studying about Abraham is actually something beyond my comprehension. Uh, when, I, when I read what, what God asked Abraham to do, it's actually beyond my comprehension. And I truly try to comprehend godly things. I, I do. But this one is beyond me. And so I'm left with the question, well, why then? Why then is this in the scriptures? Why do we have this? And what is it that I can derive from it? What is it that I can learn from it? And I hope, you know, I, I, I hope to tell you or at least share with you uh, not, my, not my doubts whatsoever, but just my honest difficulties uh, that we sometimes encounter in trying to live the Christian life. It's easy to serve God when everything is going well, but I'm telling you, man, when things go tough, when they go south, uh, we find ourselves doubting, or I do, uh, doubt, am I making the right choice, am I choosing the right door, have I understood what the scriptures actually are saying, and we begin to second guess ourselves. What I'm going to see here is the possibility of it, but yet Abraham's faith lifted him above all doubt, is what I see, all doubt. And, you know, I would like to say that I could be the same. But until we go through a test of some sort, I don't know that I can say that with confidence and, gen and genuineness. Part of it is because, uh, as I viewed this, this is the greatest test of Abraham's life. And we're talking about a long life. And I find that interesting on, on various occasions, at various levels. One is, after living so long and going through so much, he still had to encounter an incredibly difficult test. One that I can, I can think that, well, you know, I've lived so many years. He was, you know, 100 plus do I have to keep going through these things? You know, I mean, sometimes we kind of hint to the Lord. I, 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 don't, I'm not, I don't have enough courage to pray for it yet, but 
do I have to keep going through things? I mean, do I, do I have to keep doing this battle? I don't think there's any rest uh, for us in trying to serve the Lord until we leave this life. I, I just don't. That's what the scriptures teach. There is no rest for us. And so I, I, I thought a lot about this test. I've known where we were going to end up. And so I've had a lot of time, actually, from the beginning of this series that I started. And as I pointed out at the beginning, and I'll, I'll close with this again, pointing it out, living by faith with our frailties and with our flaws and with our failures, the life of Abraham. And the conclusion that I can say is that faith in God lifts us up beyond and above our frailties, our flaws, and our failures. And there came this test, this final test, that Abraham had to go through. Now, from a human standpoint, you've said this, perhaps I said it a lot. I don't test very well. I remember saying that very, like, you know, in junior high. I'd give, I'd, that would be the reason I would give for my report card. I don't test very well. I don't, and there really was some truth to that, uh, uh, you know. A lot of it, we don't test well, or I didn't, because I didn't study well. If I study well, I test well. If I don't study well, I don't. But I kept, you know, saying it over and over, thinking that my parents would ultimately believe me, which they did not. Um, but I do have one occasion where I can actually say I don't test well. Many of you probably have heard of lie detector tests. I've had the unfortunate experience of having to take one for a job decades ago. Uh, and so the backstory on that uh, is I, you know, worked dairies, worked farms and everything, and a job came up at Borden's. It used to be Borden's. And I was in college, and I thought, well, I'll go. So I go talk to the supervisor, and he loved my background. He says, you've got this job. And all I could see was dollar signs. I could just see, man, I'm going to make some money while I'm in college. So anyway, I go there, and he said, oh, by the way, we've got to take a lie detector test. Well, about a year and a half before when I was, or two years before I was in high school, I went through a plate glass window and cut my arm up to all kingdom come. And so ever since then, I had, I, I had problems with things constricting me. So anyway, I'd never seen a lie detector machine. Well, he pulled that thing out and he started strapping me in. And I, and I, I know my, my heart I broke out in a cold sweat because uh, I, I, I it was too tough. Well, anyway, long story short is uh, he started asking me. He didn't get past the first question. Uh, what is your name? And it was my, that needle was just going crazy. And, and, I, and, I, and I knew that this was very, very important for me to get that job. And he said, well, he said, hey, unlo un unlo he loosened it. And he said, just relax. And I said, okay. So I relaxed, and he strapped that thing back on me again, and I mean, got to the what is your name? And that needle was just going crazy. So anyway, I told him, I said, uh, he said, well, I can't do the test. He said, you, you're not able to do the test. And he said, uh, I don't know what to do. I, and I said, 
well, can you strap it on my ankle or, or give me a truth drug or something? I'd be glad to, you know. Anyway, they concluded that I was hiding something and I did not get the job. And so, so I can say, honestly, I don't test well. In fact, I told a good friend of mine uh, just two weeks ago, uh, he's commissioner of, the, uh, of uh, public safety, they were talking about a lie detector test, and I said, well, I, I, I can't take one. I, he said, really? I said, no way. He said, I, I said, I don't test well, is what I told him. And so anyway, this test, though, is about how God views us and how he views our faith and belief in him. Remember, the various words and phrases that we've tried to, uh, you know, introduce and interject into it that I think is accurate is to have faith in God is to take him at his word. You believe him. You take him at his word. Faith in God uh, actually grows, and this is what we've seen with Abraham. Abraham, throughout the, 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 the life that we've seen so far, we've seen his frailties, we've seen his flaws, we've seen his failures. But yet in each occasion, we find where his faith in God would grow, and he would learn, and he would get stronger, until finally, you know, there, there's not a point, there was not a point in Abraham's life where, okay, it was over, Everything was coming to this point. I think God was shaping him, helping him to grow in faith and understand. And I, as I was thinking about that, I thought, that is so like us. I don't have the faith that I did when I first became a Christian. But I'm hopeful that my faith will continue to grow and be stronger by the time I'm finished. I don't think it's the same. I used to think it was, but no, I have faith in God. But then faith to trust him and take him at his word. The problem that we encounter is that our faith in God will for a long period of time of our lives, I think, comes into conflict with our own frailties and flaws and failures. And I'll explain a little bit more about that later. Let's read. I'm going to be in Genesis 22. This will be the last reading that we do regarding Abraham's life. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham. Now sometimes, I will say, we think of testing as tempting. This is different. The test is to validate the time came that God wanted to validate, wanted to pull the string, see, examine, press how strong or how pure his faith in him was. And so he said to him, Abraham, and Abraham said, here I am. He said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. And go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering and he arose and went to the place which God had told him. I think that at this moment 
everything is coming to uh, probably a, a, a pinnacle or a point. You know, Abraham, of all people, like us, we know our failures and we know our own flaws and we know what we are. It's like Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, who, you know, who am I? He wrote when he was in prison. He knew who he was and he questioned that. And I think Abraham, as he was doing this and he, and he was obeying God, from a human standpoint, I mean, if it was me, I would be thinking, is this punishment for my past failures? I mean, remember, it was God who had promised Abraham, you will have a son. His name will be Isaac, and he will, you will be the father of, of a multitude of people. Yet here we're, we're seeing something that seemingly is, uh, I don't know, contradictory, at least in my mind, it seemed contradictory. And where that contradiction comes from is you begin to think you have to find a reason. Okay, well, is this now what's going to happen because I have failed God in the past, because I lied, because I lied to Pharaoh, because I did this or I did that or I, halt, I, I, I halted? Is this what was happening? That's the kind of road that I think he was going when he, when he went there. And he had three days to be thinking about this. But yet what I find in this is that if he had doubt or if he had hesitancy, it was being overwhelmed by his faith. I don't believe, I can, I can speak for myself, I don't believe that he made that three-day journey without some bit of doubt or question or wondering or pondering, why is this taking place? Why me? Why now? What am I encountering? Yet, what we see at the end of his life is that his faith is, is elevating him above his own flaws, frailties, and past failures. And that's a pure faith, one that lifts one up to a higher ground. You know, we have, there's a hymn, higher ground. We, you know, I'm pressing on that higher, higher ground. And so that, that three days, I think that, they, that those things were probably at the forefront. I think that, uh, in fact, from my own standpoint, not Abraham's, but from my own standpoint, I can be thinking, I would have been thinking, I think, on traveling those three days, well, I'm going to travel, but I hope God changes his mind, or I hope something different is going to come about. But it didn't. Here's what it says, verse 4. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship and, and this is interesting, we will come back to you. Not I, we will come back to you. Here, I think we can get a glimpse of the depth and the reach of the faith of Abraham in God. I know it had to be a, a heavy burden. That's why I say I don't, I can't understand this, this instruction. I mean, from a personal standpoint. I don't know how I would react. I don't know how I would feel. But the one thing that I, that I do recognize is that he had a, 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 
I, I hate to say it in a bad way, but he had a, a committed blind faith in taking God at his word because he said, we will come back. So he took the wood of the burnt offering, laid it on his son Isaac. He took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and he said, my father. He said, here I am, my son. And he said, look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And again, Abraham said, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. Now, that's a very specific thing. Now, he's, he's doing something that he was not told to take a lamb, but yet his faith is lifting him to that point but he believes that God is going to provide that which is necessary. So they came to the place which God had told him. Abraham built an altar there, placed the wood in order, bound Isaac his son, and laid him on the altar and upon the wood. That had to be the longest moments I, I can imagine as a father. The longest moments, not even as a father, but just someone who's trying to follow God to do the unthinkable, the unbelievable. Yet, Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his hand. Abraham, this is what I wonder in my mind. And again, I, I, I had a disclaimer at the beginning. I, I'm going to think aloud on some of this. I know that Abraham knew what God had done in the past. We, we, we've studied the, the major points of that. I know Abraham was reflecting. I know Abraham had to be thinking about God taking care of him and providing for him and providing for Sarah. And in fact, even giving him a son when, for all practical purposes, even as the scripture says, his body and Sarah's body, they were dead. They were dead. But yet he knew what God had done. Miraculously, he had brought the dead back to life, and he had a son. His name was Isaac. Because of his faith in God, because of how Abraham was obeying and trusting God. I think God saw that he was willing to give up that one thing that he loved more than anything, and that was his son. He loved his son. The angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, and he said, here I am. I'm sure he was glad to hear at that moment. I would be. I would have been glad to hear another voice on top of that mountain. The angel said, Abraham, here I am. Do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram, offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son, and Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide, as it is to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. 
This is the first time that, a, that the particular word is used here. And, it, and from that point, the, the Lord will provide how it comes out in English. But, but the word itself is Jehovah Jawah, which means the Lord will see to it. From this point on, that has been one of the characteristics of God and Jesus Christ is that he will provide. And so here we find that uh, God provided. He did not have to sacrifice. But more than anything, what I, what I see, what I kept seeing, is that his belief in God lifted him above everything that he thought possibly could happen. Now for me, as I read this, this is the greatest trial, not only for Abraham, but the greatest trial that a person can go through in serving God. To give up that which you love most. Jesus reaffirmed that. You know, if, if we have things that, that are offensive, we give up our eyes, we give up our hands. But that's something that faith, faith is evaluated on, is what are we willing, if we say we have faith in God, like James says, well, so do the devils, you know, they fear and trouble. But what does that mean? I will take God at his word. I have to, again, be honest, I pray that it would not be for me personally, or you either, anything this drastic. But I do know that in living life, sometimes we each come into some sort of domain or landscape or an occasion or a happening that truly, truly tests us. And we find then a conflict within ourselves about how we're to respond or what we should do. Here, I think this is why Abraham is preserved in the scriptures. I think that he's preserved so that uh, we can learn what it is and how it is that faith is viewed by God, our faith. In fact, Paul understood this. Paul talked about it really quite a bit in the book of Romans, about this very thing that Abraham was asked to do, but then that God provided so that he did not have to do it. Here's what Paul said. Abraham was not weak in faith. He did not consider his own body when he was dead. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. Now here he's talking about when he had Isaac. He was you know, close to 100 years old. He did not doubt God that God could do that, and God did that. So he had that knowledge. But then, he got, then we find in the reading of the scriptures that by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, even though he had received the promises from God that through Isaac he would become the father of many nations. And he, and he, but yet Abraham concluded that God was able to raise him up even from the dead. And, and that's how I begin to understand in this this test. We don't test well if we don't know the information well. But if we know the information well, we can test well. Abraham knew God. In fact, the scriptures say that God 
considered him a friend. He was considered a friend of God. And so in that, we find that for our own lives, for my own life and yours, we each are going to have some test that comes down the pipe. I don't know what they are, but we will. Our tests are inevitable in this life. The Lord told us that. In this world, you will have trials, tribulations. You will have difficulties. But he said, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Well, do we have faith in that and do we believe that? Do we take Jesus Christ at his word? So for me, in this life of Abraham, coming down to this test that was to me the most difficult thing to imagine, much less carry through, what does this mean for us today? Well, I think Abraham and his life is truly a pattern. Abraham set forth a pattern because of his faith of giving up the one thing or the greatest thing that a person loves. Whatever it is, he gave it up. He was willing to give it up for the sake of being loyal to God. The second thing I think that Abraham's life shows us in this test is that Abraham is a pattern of living life when we don't understand everything. He simply took God at his word. There are many things that we all have already encountered and will encounter. Why? Why did this? Why that? He simply believed God even though he did not understand. And then finally, I think Abraham is a pattern of, a, of, of someone. He realizes that God truly made a way of escape. You know, God provides. If you read through the scriptures, we find that God provides the things we worry most about. Remember what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. He'll provide you food, your clothing. Why worry about it? The scriptures tell us he provides us a way of escape when we are, find ourselves being pursued by evil. So again, this has been and always has been a very difficult passage for me, but yet I think it's preserved for people like me who don't test well. When I read this, I know that he tested well because he knew well. He knew God. And so for each of us in our lives as we live, whenever that test comes, whenever those, that dark valley is on us and we find ourselves in a place we never thought we would be in, let us believe God. Take Him at His word. He will provide. Sometimes we think in terms of, uh, and I don't mean this disrespectful or sacrilege, but we think what we think, we think is how God thinks. And so we try to solve, that's what we saw early on in Abraham's life. He tried to solve issues on his own, realizing later that God does things differently and he wanted Abraham to understand that. Well, let me again read what God himself said about that. We should not think that God thinks like we do. We should aspire to think like God does. Here's what God says. My thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways. 
For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. As the rain comes down and the snow from heaven does not return, water and waters the earth and makes it bring forth in bud that it may give seed, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It will not return unto me void, and I will accomplish what I please." We need to understand that faith in God is to literally take Him at His word. So in closing, I want us all to test well whenever it comes. There may be a series of tests that we all go through in all of our lives, one test after another. But all those tests are preparatory for perhaps a great test. Sometimes the greatest test is at the very, very end of our life. Sometimes the greatest test is when we're on our last day. And we begin to wonder, is what I believed in all my life true? What's going to happen when I take my last breath? How is it I don't know? We, we, that may be our test. And at that point, let our faith in God elevate us and take us above our doubts, our fears, and our past failures. It's like the psalmist said in closing. David wrote, Whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. In God, I will praise your word. In God, I have put my trust. I will not fear. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for your love for us more than anything. And your mercy, your care for us, the opportunities you give us to continually draw closer to you and learn of our ways. I pray today, Lord, that we could each in our own way take the life of Abraham and all that he went through and find that common ground that we have with him. May we aspire to his faith, Lord, and not only identify with his failures. May we, Lord, realize that it was his faith in you that you wrote it down, that he was righteous. May we aspire to you to follow you, to leave behind all of our failures and our flaws. And Lord, always look to you. And as the psalmist said, trust in you completely. And we'll give you thanks for it one day when we come before you, Lord. We'll thank you for loving us. In our Lord's name we pray. Amen. Let's stand this morning as we have a hymn. If you'd like to come and pray, please do. Place your faith in, in the Lord and God. But also, think about this. Trust the Lord and take Him at His word wherever you are, whatever landscape you're finding yourselves in. Take Him at His word. What, what page? 2A. 2A. We're saying one verse unless someone would like to come this morning. Redeem.